the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Parable of the Sower and the Soils, next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Of all the parables recorded for us here in the Gospels, the one that is probably most familiar to many, the parable of the sower and the soils. The significance of this parable and how it applies to you and I here today in the 21st century is the subject of our time together today. Won't you join us? Here's Pastor Gary Wagner now with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. David said to the Lord in Psalm 51, 16 and 17, For thou hast not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. Thou art not pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. What's David talking about here? He is saying the one thing that makes the soil prepared to receive the Word of God is a proper view of yourself and a proper view of Almighty God. If you are broken, it is because you feel your poverty of spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourning over what? Mourning over their poverty of spirit, their moral bankruptcy, as they stand before a holy God in whom is their only hope. And the more they compare themselves with what they are supposed to be and what God commands of them, the more broken they feel in terms of their view of themselves and the greater and more glorious God appears to them. Remember what Isaiah said when he had that great vision of God sitting on his throne, surrounded by seraphim singing, holy, holy, holy. He said, woe is me, for I am ruined. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king. So what kind of impact did seeing God have on Isaiah? I deserve to die. Woe is me, I am unclean. I have no right to be here. It is only by God's grace that I stand in his presence. That's the kind of brokenness a plowed up heart has that God commands of us. If the word is going to be received and bear fruit in our hearts, beloved, the wayside hearer knows nothing of this. He has heard the gospel many times because he has hardened to it. His attention span for divine things is always short. And he's always looking at his watch. The wayside hearer can get through a sermon without ever being disturbed by the message. They can leave a sermon unmoved and unchanged and uninterested in what was just said because Satan has snatched away the seed out of their heart. They are insensitive to and unimpressed with the solemnity of the gospel of the kingdom of Christ. And as you can imagine, that is a very dangerous position to be in. So what is the remedy? 
How can you prevent yourself from being a wayside here? And if you have a hard heart, what can you do to remedy that condition? First of all, first of all, pray that God would forgive you of this attitude and that He would protect you from ever falling into this attitude again. Pray that God would plow up your heart by His Spirit and His Word and help you see yourself as He sees you. Be attentive to the Word of God and make yourself vulnerable to it. Open your hearts to it and say, Lord, do to me and in me whatever needs to be done to make me one of yours. Well, that brings us to the second kind of here, and that is the stony ground here or the impulsive heart. Let's look at Matthew chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, and then we'll look at his explanation of those verses in 20 and 21. Some seed fell on stony places where they had not much earth and forthwith or immediately sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Now verse 20. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that hears the word and immediately with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not rooted himself, but endureth for a while. For when persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended, or as the New American Standard Bible says, he falls away. Now look at Mark chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, and then verses 16 and 17. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Verse 16, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard of the word, immediately receiveth it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended or fall away. And now Luke's abbreviated version in chapter 8, verse 6, and then 13. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Verse 13, they on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and there have no root, which are for a while, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. Remember the picture now. It is that part of the garden that has only a shallow amount of soil, and underneath is this substrata of rock. The soil is moist, and it's warmer than any other part of the garden because of the rock. And as a result, when the seed is planted, it is in what seems to be the best part of the garden, and the seed springs up quickly. The farmer, of course, thinks this is going to be the best of the crop. But when the sun beats down, the moisture dries up, and the plant can't take root because of the rocky subsoil. So as the soil loses its moisture, the plant withers and dies because it has no root. Now, beloved, this is an attentive and responsive hearer of the preached word. He hangs on to every word. He immediately responds, immediately grows in his understanding, and then he immediately withers away. Here is an impulsive character preacher loves 
to see this kind of person in his congregation. He's there taking notes. His face shows an eagerness. He seems impressed by effective preaching, and he thanks the preacher profusely after church. He can be moved to a great emotional experience, and there is some external change in his life. He emotionally responds the way a Christian is supposed to respond to the preaching of the Word of God. If a preacher preaches on the wrath of God, he trembles. If a preacher preaches on the love of God, he feels all warm inside. I mean, this is the kind of person a preacher wants, at least externally out there in his congregation, rather than see someone out there who's actually bored stiff or looks as if they're dead. And of course, that's none of you, right? Matthew and Mark say that when he hears the preached word, he receives it immediately with no admitted doubts or questions or hesitation. Matthew also says that he receives it with joy and strong emotion. And by the way, many people see this as a sign of this person's conversion. I mean, after all, this person came forward at the altar, cry, altar call and he cried a lot. But there's one thing this man forgot. He forgot to count the cost. He forgot about the trials and afflictions of life. Oh, he made rapid progress. It says immediately the seed sprouted up out of the soil. You see, these people hear the gospel and receive it. They feel some kind of assurance of salvation. And then they begin listening to every CD they can possibly set their hands on. And they go to every Bible study they can find. But they never look beyond their feelings. And they never look beyond their profession of faith to see if there is a real work of God's Spirit in their heart. They never examine themselves. Oh, they made a good start. But eventually when the sun and the heat of life beat down on them, they withered and died. But they were the first to grow. Beloved, remember... It's not how well you start the race. It's crossing the finish line that wins the race. I've seen this happen, beloved. These people seem like the greatest Christians that ever lived. You think they're going to set the world on fire for Christ. But then they're gone. Just like that little plant. Oh, they started out well. But it was all superficial and fake. You've got to cross the finish line to win the race. Notice that the same hot sun that nourished the plants in the good ground caused these plants with no roots to wither and die. In this stony ground here, there was no brokenness, no depth, only superficiality and emotion. To profess to be a Christian and a sinner is one thing, beloved. But to be crushed down to earth under a sense of having violated the law of God and to, to run to Jesus Christ for life and salvation is quite another. In the stony ground here, there was no root, 
no personal and genuine heart religion, no real contact with Christ, no communion of the soul in secret with the living God. Oh, in public, he looks so good and so spiritual and so devout. But all he has is what you see, a public religion. That's all he was. He knows how to talk the talk, but there's no religion in his heart. Now I ask you, beloved, is your faith all talk? Is it just public? How are you when you get home with your family? When you're around other Christians in church, oh, you really look like a real believer. You know how to emote when you need to, but there's no heartfelt religion. There's no contact of the soul with God. All you have of faith is what everyone sees, and you are but merely a shell of a person. And Jesus would have called you a whited sepulcher on the outside, gorgeous marble, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. Oh, they make rapid progress. They know how to impress people, but it's all superficial. And I pray that is none of us. What was it that exposed the spurious nature of this person's faith and so-called conversion? What was it in the parable that showed to us that all this guy had was superficial emotions and no real depth of faith with real roots? It was the sun, S-U-N. It was the sun that exposed this guy's hypocrisy and superficiality. In other words, it was the way this man responded to the trials that God sent upon him, which all of us experience, that exposed him for what he really was. In Matthew 13, 21, we read, when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And then Luke adds in 8.13, and also because of temptation, the pressure, and the heat of life, he withered and fell apart. He didn't count the cost, beloved, of following the Lord Jesus Christ. So the very same providence of God that causes seeds to grow and bear fruit killed the seed that fell on the stony ground. Beloved, you and I must thank God for the trials that he sends by his providence upon us. They make us the Christians that we are. They show what we are to the world. Trials and afflictions and persecutions are God's way of testing us and sifting us and exposing us to the world and what is underneath our surface. Thank God for them. Remember what Paul said in Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into His grace, in which we stand and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we exalt in our tribulation and afflictions and trials, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. What do trials do to real Christians? They make them persevere and keep on keeping on even when it is difficult. And perseverance, it says, leads to proven character. 
The more we persevere during times of affliction, God proves our character. He hones and sharpens it, making us more like Christ. A proven character leads to hope. The more God uses perseverance to prove our character during times of trial, the stronger and more assured we are that we belong to God and that the future belongs to His church. And hope does not disappoint. It says, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So praise the Lord for trials, beloved. They are the things that expose the faults. They are the things that God uses to make and shape us into whatever He would have us to be. So I call on you, beloved, to watch what trials and afflictions do to you when they come. Oh, they will come, and they'll continue to come. What do trials and afflictions do to you? Whatever you do, don't be afraid to examine yourself in these times. Paul said to examine yourself to see if you are truly in the faith. Examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless, of course, you fail the test. My friend, do not fool yourself. Make sure you are a real member of Christ's kingdom, a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Afflictions and the preached word of God will reveal what you are and who you are. Do you want to know what you are? Listen to preaching. How you respond to the preached word will prove what you are. Live life and face all the trials in life and pay attention to how you respond to those trials because it is the preaching of the word and the afflictions of life that reveal in fact what and who you are. Let the preached word of God plow you up and soften and deepen you as you meditate on the person and the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because only then will you be able to appreciate and properly embrace, embrace the word of Christ. Ask Christ to deepen your faith every time you're alone with him so that you can handle trials and flourish under them. And then the preached word will have far more meaning in your life. And understand, this temporary faith is not true saving faith. Not ever. Every one of these accounts refer to a temporary faith. Luke says, this man believed for a little while and then quit. A person can actually conjure up this kind of faith. It's not given to him by God, which, and it does not save him. And he can actually convince himself that he believes. He believes in Jesus' miracles and that Jesus died for sinners and that the Bible is the word of God. And yet as he faces the pressures of life, he finds that his faith was temporary and it does not hold him up. And so he stops believing, proving that his faith was not real in the first place. Their faith was of their own making was not a gift of God. True, God-produced saving faith is never temporary. If God has given you the gift of faith, you don't ever have to worry about it failing you, beloved. It will never come to an end. God saves us and keeps us by His mighty power. That same power that brought all things into existence and sustains it all. I know 
that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So real saving faith is a faith that keeps on believing no matter what. Why? Because it is a gift of God. But if it is something you have conjured up in your own life, and you have convinced yourself you are a true believer, but God has not given you the gift of faith, there will be a time in your life when you will give up on that faith because the pressures of life are too great, the burdens too heavy, the problems too inexplicable that you will get mad at God and you will walk away. Listen to what John Calvin said. The faith of the stony ground hearer is temporary not only because of having professed for a time that they are the disciples of Christ, but they afterward fall away in temptation because they imagine they have true faith. Christ says they believe for a time because that honor which they render to the gospel resembles real faith. At the same time, we ought to learn they are not truly regenerated by any incorruptible seed which never fades. As Peter tells us, for he says in the words of Isaiah, the word of God endures forever and is to build in the hearts of believers in whom the truth of God, once fixed, never passes away, but retains its vigor until the end. Do you have a vigorous faith, beloved? Calvin says still those persons who take delight in the word of God and cherish some reverence for it do in some manner believe, for they are widely different from unbelievers who give no credit to God when He speaks or reject His word. In a word, let us learn that none are partakers of true faith except those who are sealed with the spirit of adoption and who sincerely call on God as their Father. And as that spirit is never extinguished, so it is impossible that the faith which he has once engraved on the hearts of the godly, shall pass away or be destroyed. But the faith of the stony ground here passed away because it was not real faith. So I ask you, beloved, is your faith real? Or will it prove to be temporary? Is your faith something that you produce within yourself? Or is it the gift of God? Which is it? The pressure of afflictions that you will face for the rest of your life and how you respond will reveal whether your faith is temporary or whether it is real. Examine yourselves regularly, daily in fact, against the Word of God to be sure you are living to bring glory to God and not yourself. Be assured you are living according to His will for your life, which is to be like Christ. Is that what you're becoming, beloved? And it's not according to your own desires. Make sure your faith is real and sincere, because it if is not, the consequences are dire. For you will not be able to handle the trials and afflictions that will come your way. And you will fall apart. And you will curse God. Next week, we'll look at the thorny ground here or the preoccupied heart. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for the parables of Jesus and thank you for the truths that we gain from their study. Thank you for giving us hearts that you have plowed up
allowing us to understand these parables and how to apply them to our lives. Lord God, as we sit weekly under your preached word and as we read it diligently each day, may you nurture the seeds you planted in us and allow us to grow to bear much fruit for the advance of your kingdom. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found, again, at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Thank you.